Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lion Trust Multi-Asset Podcast. I'm James Smith and as ever, I'm joined by our head of multi-asset here, John Halsby. Hi, John. Hello there. Um, it's been it's been a while since we've uh, since we've done one of these. I think it's the first one we've done in 2020. So we thought it was a good time to. There's obviously a lot going on in markets, so we thought it was a good time to take stock and uh, and get John's um, get John's views. Um, I think it's fair to say that for the best part of the last two years, um, Brexit and trade were the dominant factors, and we we did see some positive developments on those at the tail end of last year, John. But obviously. This year, things have been thrown off track a little bit by first uh, the situation with Iran and then the the coronavirus more recently, which I've seen described as black swan events as kind of coming out of nowhere. Obviously, with with the coronavirus, it, it it can be difficult to talk about something like that in a in a market context. You know, we've got people dying by the hundreds, but ultimately, we are we are fund managers. We have to analyze these things in a in a market perspective and an investment perspective can you give us an insight on i guess how, how you're trying to how, how you look at something like coronavirus and how you and how you how you how you run your portfolios with something like that going on in in the background yeah i mean there are external factors day in day out that you have to review not only being a manager of portfolios but indeed our underlying managers as well um they have to analyze in terms of you know, stocks and sectors. So there's macro calls and uh, the sort of bottom-up micro calls as well to look at. I think 2019 was a very stellar year for returns. And this time last year, we were talking about 2018 being very unusual in terms of returns and how central banks, you know, uh, seem to be, you know, looking to be easing monetary policy. And we certainly saw that towards the um, you know, the middle of the year and, you know, it led to a very good year for markets. So we're now a year on and instead of talking about markets which have underperformed and that's unusual, we're now talking about markets which have outperformed these the sort of long-term uh, historic sort of averages and saying, well, that's not the norm as well. Um, and just as we're sort of talking about that, we're then dealing with some sort of classic type of market noise that that comes up from time to time whether it's political or geopolitical type risk so yeah Iran definitely fits into that geopolitical risk which you know you know came and went seems to be very quickly and now taken over by this uh, uh, epidemic um and you know of the uh, coronavirus I mean you know there's lots of stats that I read which tries to put this into context so uh, one of them from the sort of World Health Organization. I was being told by uh, a fund manager the other day that, you know, uh, what if there is sort of um, uh, 8 billion people in the world and, you know, of them on an annual basis, five to 600 million of them uh, get the flu or flu type uh, viruses. And uh, from them, uh, around about 10%, so 500, 600,000 of them uh, basically die each year. And the people who die, you know, obviously are the more vulnerable, the, uh, the, the elderly and, you know, the younger as well. And, and perhaps those who are already, um, you know, obviously suffering from some sort of illness to start with. So, you know, when you put that into context as what's going on, then perhaps, you know, we don't get notified on the news every day of someone who buys, uh, who, uh, who sells um, 
who, who dies from from the flu. Uh, the other the other stat that I was told was that you know there are thirty thousand people that die every day in China. Um, so it, it puts it into some context. However, of course, you know uh, what we have here is something which you know uh, is spreading, and it's only when it starts to plateau if you start looking at perhaps previous epidemics so SARS is the obvious one that most people are talking about so only when it starts to plateau uh, do markets start to um, uh, you know, you know uh, start to move on again from these types of things but I think when it comes to market noise I think you you have to um, look at uh, essentially to say yourself what well, is it relevant if it is relevant is it something which is investable in other words can i you know make make something out of it or do i need to protect the portfolio as well in in some cases once you've decided it could be an investable thing then you need then to make sure that well you know am i too early or am i too late and i've got a good a couple of um, good examples of that in recent times and um, you know we talk about iran and you know obviously in the in, in saudi in September, we had those bombs that went off on the on the oil fields. Now, my recollection of that was, yes, it was definitely something which was relevant, definitely something that was investable, but uh, most likely you were too late to do something about it because the very next day, oil price was up 10, 15, 20% or so. So therefore, you know, you had no opportunity to think, well, oil fields are out, less um, supply, you know, uh, demand remains consistent, therefore price should go up, therefore get involved in the oil price. Um, another example, which was um, uh, around the time of uh, the election, uh, the UK election, I say, general election, uh, was the release of the Labour manifesto. And if you remember, um, one of their giveaways, I almost said gimmick there, James. <laughs> uh, one of their giveaways was um, essentially providing free broadband or internet for all by i think was it was it to to 2030 was it yep yeah yep. i mean so on on the back of that uh, bt share price falls now it falls uh, and you know when you do some fundamental analysis of that not my job but certainly uk managers who are keen on bt on the long term when you look at that you know essentially you, you have to do some big asks there number one the labor party had to win the general election at a time when, you know, it's easier to say with, with hindsight, but at a time when the polling wasn't suggesting that. Uh, and secondly, not only did they have to win one general election, they had to win another one to get to 2030 in the first place. So share price falls, uh, and there's an opportunity for those managers who like BT to get in at a price, I think it fell anywhere sort of between 5 to 10% cheaper. So I, I think, uh, said, you know, for the majority of the market noise, uh, it's about asking yourself the question in terms of, does it change the fundamentals for the coronavirus? Um, surely it's going to change the fundamentals in China. It's going to, I mean, you know, people are not going out in that respect, uh, and therefore it's going to affect growth. But the Chinese authorities know that. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, the monetary spend and um, uh, fiscal spend uh, will um, more than more than make up for it. So okay. no, in the short term weakness. Understood. I mean, I, I think I've, I've seen some a lot of quite interesting data about um, the effect that the kind of multiplier effect that social media has as well. Obviously, the SARS outbreak back in 2003, something like Twitter was fairly in, in its infancy. Mm. 
Uh, okay. Um, like I said at outset, um, at the end of last year, Brexit and trade have been pretty dominant um, sent on on sentiment for the for the best part of a couple of years. We did see some developments on both towards the end of last year. They, they've been slightly overshadowed this year, but they're obviously still in the in, in, in the background. Um, let's maybe start with Brexit. Um, the UK is now out of the EU. It came out on the 31st of January. And we've gone into this 11-month transition period where all the deals need to be put into place. Um, do, do you feel that's been kind of slightly overshadowed? I mean, obviously, there was, there was a bounce in markets. We saw a bounce in sterling uh, after the election last year. Um, does, the hu- there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done um, to, over the course of the next 11 months. Or, the, or the st- the, there still is a risk of a of kind of cliff edge. Yeah, we could still have a no deal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how, again, how, how do you factor something? Like, I guess that, again, it, it, to some extent, it falls into the market noise category. But how do you... How, how, how do you kind of how do you deal with that going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of uh, you know, valuations, you know, uh, equities uh, as an asset class uh, still look cheap, and you know, one way to measure that is against bond yields. Um, when you look into equities, you know, I think for my money, the US still looks relatively more expensive than the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, we obviously have the UK, which looks relatively cheap. You know, we've had recent growth numbers out, which are suggesting, uh, you know, a fairly sort of flat uh, fourth quarter in terms of growth and GDP, and that was obviously you know, prior to an election. And so, therefore, there is potential catch up, and there's already some evidence of that. I mean, I was only just talking to someone the other week talking about um, who sold their house and. Um, you know, the estate agent uh, told him that basically, you know, they, they made sales on 21 properties in the month of January, uh, whereas what they were averaging last year was just seven a month. So there is some evidence of some activity going on. That means that there is some confidence and some uncertainty uh, which has been removed from the market and allowing people basically to, to get on again uh, in that respect. I think the market reflects where the UK is today. I think that catch-up that we saw post-election was right, not only for markets, not only in the mid-cap environment where the domestics have really had a had a catch-up. And by the way, those domestics were rallying way before the election result. Um, and, you know, and Sterling has sort of, you know, come, come back up again. But, you know, I think they are positioned today knowing where we are in terms of uh, what we have to negotiate going forward. So for my money, I think that there are better opportunities elsewhere in that rest of the world still sitting in Asia and emerging markets. Last year, we saw Europe perform well um, and, you know, we saw a slight pickup in Japan. So I still think there's a lot more value there and there's a lot more to go for uh, in those parts of the world. In terms, in terms of the US, obviously we've we've had the impeachment situation that's hasn't really nothing much seems to have changed. No, if if anything, it's emboldened um, Trump's supporters. I would have thought we've got we've got an election coming up. We're going to see the the electioneering pick up in earnest in the weeks to come. Um, I, I know you, you've spoken about the US being expensive. I mean, do you, do you feel it's 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 a market where things are in flux? Things are in flux at the moment, and we obviously. Depending on who gets in later this year, we could see more value emerge after that. Or is it something that is it a market you're 
happy to remain fairly light at the moment. Yeah, I think just on valuation terms, I think I am happy to remain fairly light, as you say, in that respect, realising that the market is dominated by tech stocks, growth stocks. There is potential for that to become part of a presidential sort of debate on who sits into the White House next. Looking at some data recently, looking at uh, the fourth year of a presidential term, looking at market returns. On average, since the 1940s, uh, the, the S&P has been up 9.5%. And it's only had three down years in, in any of those terms. And it doesn't really matter whether it's a Democrat or a, or a Republican sitting in the White House. Those three down years have all coincided with a recession. Uh, it seems for now that recession, US global recession, seems to have been pushed back as such, you know, bodes uh, well for those sorts of sticks, uh, stats and statistics going forward. Okay, great. Thanks, John. That's all we've got um, time for today. Um, hopefully that gives everybody a, a good sense of, of how John's feeling about markets um, as we as we go through 2020. Um, next time, we're going to be focusing on the, 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 uh, the slightly thorny topic of how you identify luck versus skill uh, in fund management. So um, thanks very much for listening and thanks for your time again, John. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.